Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is recorded to have died within the year was Charles Storey, who in 1780 was hanged at Oaten Hill, and afterwards gibbeted on Chatham Downs for the murder of a journeyman paper-maker. "'It was Dr. Johnson, wasn't it?' said the curate, as we came out of the precinct, who said he liked to hear ghost stories, because he regarded them as so many additional evidences of the immortality of the soul. "'Yes, apropos of the story that was then circulating concerning the second Lord Littleton,' I replied. "'I think the old doctor's face must have been of the kind that requires stimulants to keep it alive.' "'The anecdote shows that a belief in ghosts is not incompatible with a high order of intellect,' observed our friend. "'How any man of even ordinary intelligence can believe ghost stories I can't imagine.' said the curate. "'Do you distinguish between ghost stories and ghosts?' I asked. "'I don't see where the line can be drawn,' he rejoined, after a little reflection. "'You don't?' said I. "'Suppose you heard an improbable story about a tiger. Would you say you couldn't distinguish between tiger stories and tigers?' "'Oh!' he ejaculated. Now I see your meaning. But I should know there are tigers, though I might not believe every traveller's story about them, while I should not believe a ghost story for the sufficient reason that I don't believe in ghosts. Why not? I asked. His only reply was a significant shrug. Do you? he asked with a smile. I neither believe nor disbelieve, I replied. I am disposed to be sceptical as to the ghost stories I hear, but my scepticism does not extend to a denial of the possibility of ghostly appearances, and thorough unbelief on the subject seems to me to be inconsistent with belief in the existence of an immortal spirit, the union of which with the body is dissolved by death. Did you ever see a ghost? the curate inquired, after a brief pause, during which the scoffing smile had faded from his countenance. "'No,' I replied, "'though I was once sitting in a room with a friend who seemed to see something which I did not see. It was evening twilight. Opposite to us were two doors, the one on the left hand opening from another room, and the other from the open air. Both were just ajar.' There was scarcely a breath of air stirring, yet the left-hand door swung slowly open until it stood at a right angle with the wall, and almost at the moment that it ceased to move, the other door swung open in precisely the same manner. 
it was just as if some person had entered invisibly at one door and passed out at the other. "'Did you see that?' my companion asked. I had seen nothing, and he didn't say what he had seen, but his look and manner conveyed the impression that he had seen something strange and inexplicable. "'That is something like the delusion of Nikolai, the Berlin bookseller, who thought he saw persons whom others in the room could not see,' observed our friend. "'But have you ever heard a real and well-authenticated ghost story?' said the curate. "'I mean an instance in which a ghost, or supposed ghost, has been seen, or been supposed to have been seen, by the person who told the story.' "'I can tell you one which fulfils all your requirements,' I replied. "'I heard it many years ago from a maternal aunt, "'whose remains now rest in Beckenham churchyard. "'She was then on the shady side of fifty, "'and neither imbued with superstitious beliefs "'nor gifted with the imaginative powers "'which sometimes invest very trivial and prosaic circumstances "'with an air of romance and mystery.' She was returning one night from a visit to a sister, when she saw, or thought she saw, between the churchyard and a thick plantation, a figure draped in white, standing motionless in the middle of the road. Slightly accelerating her pace, she went forward, not without a nervous tremor, and when she had walked a few yards beyond the mysterious object, she ventured to look back. The figure had disappeared, though not the faintest sound had reached her ears. The ghostly figure had previously been seen by several other persons, and was supposed to be the disembodied spirit of a young man who had recently committed suicide, in consequence of a disappointment in love, at the house which the plantation concealed from the road. The faculty of ghost-seeing has been observed to be frequently developed in several members of the same family, and I may add to the preceding story, which gave the curate something to think about as we walked towards the railway station, that my mother, then in her eighty-seventh year, related to me, a few months before her death, a strange incident which I regarded as a delusion. She said that while lying in bed— but in broad daylight, she suddenly became aware of the presence of a double of herself, standing between the foot of the bed and the open door of the chamber, in the full light of the morning sun, the door being midway between the window of her chamber and that of another room, into which it opened. The figure stood there several minutes, without the slightest movement. My mother regarded it attentively, three times closing her eyes, and opening them again to test its reality. Twice she beheld it still standing on the same spot, but when she opened her eyes the third time, it was gone. Such visitations are usually held by the superstitious to portend the speedy death of the person who sees the fetch, but my mother lived several months afterwards. How recollections of the long past are evoked from the cells of memory! Let me tell another ghost story. About fifteen years ago I had my abode for a time 
on the second floor of an old house in one of those Westminster streets in which many of the aristocracy once had their town residences, and which still retain an air of faded gentility. The primary tenant was a middle-aged widower, morose of manner and of irregular and dissipated habits. He lived there alone, keeping no servant, and but for the occasional presence of a pale young woman who moved silently about the house and was scarcely ever heard to speak, seeming to be his own housekeeper. This occasional visitant was said to be a married daughter of the morose man, whose wife had died a few years previously. Two discoveries were made by me very shortly after I became a lodger in that house. The first was that the house had the reputation of being haunted. I found that my children would not leave the rooms after the evening twilight began to darken the landings and staircases, at no time very light, and that this disinclination to enter the gloom below was shared, though less openly exhibited, by my servant. On inquiring the cause, the young woman told me that the house was haunted, that they say that he killed his wife with ill-usage, and that her ghost walks about the house at night, and has been seen by several persons. I gave no encouragement to this belief, and thought no more about the matter, until something occurred which recalled it in a very forcible manner. The second discovery that I made was that the morose parent of the pale and silent young woman was in the habit of going out about eight o'clock in the evening, and returning in an inebriated condition in the small hours of the morning. On several successive nights, or mornings, I heard this objectionable householder signalise his return by banging the street door, and tramping heavily up the uncarpeted stairs. On the occasion to which I have alluded, I heard him talking as if to himself. I listened, but the footsteps were evidently those of only one person. He entered one of the rooms on the first floor, which he reserved for his own occupation, and for some time afterwards I heard his voice at intervals, now in the low tone of self-communion, now raised to the pitch of drunken or delirious raving. All at once I heard him stumbling up the stairs, ascending them as rapidly as his inebriated condition permitted him to do, but with unsteady steps and staggering gait. He reached the second-floor landing, reeled heavily against the door of my sitting-room, and then began to ascend higher. "'I've got you now!' he shouted, in a tone of savage exultation. "'You can't get away from me now!' What, I asked myself as I listened, could be the meaning of this? The rooms on the third floor were unoccupied, and no footsteps had preceded those of the drunken man up those unused stairs. I heard him enter one room after another, slamming the doors, and then he stood still. "'Where are you?' I heard him say. "'Where have you got to?' There was no reply and in a few minutes he began to descend the stairs, which he did more quietly than he had gone up, muttering to himself in a tone so low that only the sound reached me, without the sense. I heard him no more that night, and for several days afterwards he was neither heard nor seen. 
the pale young woman glided noiselessly about the house, and, in reply to my questions concerning him, informed me that he was very ill. When he was able to leave his chamber, he was pallid and nervous-looking, and his hands shook so much that he could scarcely raise to his lips the glass of ale that was before him in his counting-house when I saw him for the first time after the strange incident I have related. Delirium tremens, I said to myself. He must have seen his wife's ghost, was the comment of persons to whom I told the story of that night. That he saw, or thought he saw, somebody or something that eluded him, and had disappeared when he reached the unoccupied rooms on the third floor, there can be no doubt. What, or who it was, remained unknown to every one but himself, unless he shared the secret with that reticent pallidity who seemed to be the only relative or friend who ever entered the house. End of chapter 8 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.